there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. Jack and I are here for you, Canada. Every single one of you, we are here to help. Uh, so it is uh, National Fraud Prevention Month, and uh, we have a very special guest in studio, uh, Norm Groot, uh, with Investigation Council. Uh, but before we get into uh, Norm, I want to share with you, the audience, some uh, work Jack and I have been uh, bumbling around for some time, and that is CPP, Canada Pension Plan. Uh, you know, it perhaps could be perceived as cornerstone uh, financial planning for many Canadians. Um, but as this is National Fraud Prevention Month, I want to open up uh, some misnomers about Canada Pension Plan. First off, Wolfgang Klein, the Wolf on Bay Street, says it is not a pension plan. It is a pay-as-you-go plan. The way CPP is structured is that when it was put into effect, I think 1967, Lester B. Pearson, I think was the prime minister at the time, um, if you were 65 years of age, you began receiving a pension immediately. You didn't put into it. You just received it because there was enough worker bees. I think it was about nine people working for every person retired. And by the way, uh, if you were born, uh, if you retired in the 60s, your life expectancy, by the way, was 71. So you didn't have a 20-year retirement. Today, life expectancy is 83. But anyways, today, uh, our little friend Brittany in studio. Uh, she's running the big board, our technician, uh, sound engineer, we like to call her in Hi-Fi Radio. I uh, said, so just uh, said, to her and I said the same to Norm. I said, guys, we currently are putting in individually, if you make, I think it's over $66,000 a year, which most Torontonians do, one job, two job, three jobs, gigging away, whatever you're doing. Uh, you put 27, I think it's $2,700 a year, Jack, into CPP or twenty seven fifty. Yeah, with the, with the recent changes, they just upped it from twenty five to twenty seven. I think it's twenty seven fifty. I think it's twenty seven fifty. So you put twenty seven fifty in every year into Canada Pension Plan. Uh, your employer must match that. And if your employer is self-employed, that individual has to pay for both. So small business owners, first off, always say this is a tax on employees and they're reluctant to hire more employees because they know they immediately have to pay that CPP tax, as they call it. So 5,500 bucks is now put into CPP for you year one. Uh, that's going to go on basically for 40 years. Uh, at retirement, your contributions and your employer's contributions in aggregate, if you maxed out, turn out to be about a quarter of a million dollars, assuming zero growth. And Jack and I have never performed zero growth for, for clients over 40 years. Mind you, I've been in the business for 40 years, but uh, that's not that, that's, the point. It's actually pretty hard to do, I think, right? It's almost impossible. A zero return? No, uh, I don't know, but it, it, it's not, it's not, look, CPP is extremely well managed. And by the way, the fees, ooh, what an awful word. The fees to run CPP, which is brilliantly managed and is the envy of American investors, is just under 1%. So if your broker is charging around 1%, leave them alone. You're getting a good shake because your portfolio of X is a little smaller than CPP's $350 billion. So you head up retirement, you put 250 grand in with your employer. Uh, you're allowed to receive a, the government calls it a benefit, a maximum benefit of less than $14,000 a year. $250,000 in, $14,000 a year max out. In fact, it's a little bit less than that. Works out to, at age 82, hey, congratulations, you got your money back. Not a penny of return, not an iota of inflation protection. You got your money back at eight. That means you have to be retired for 72, sorry, 17 years just to get your money out of CPP. If you die earlier, you receive a death benefit of $2,500. Now, 
Is this a good deal or bad deal? I say to you, my Canadian friends, every single one of you, if you were to just buy the TSE index, yes, an ETF, an index, nothing else, the compound of return over the last 40, 50 years has been about 9.5%. If you were to put 5,500 bucks into a, uh, a savings program that generated a 5% return, at retirement, you'd be able to take out the $14,000 a year, and at death age 82, your estate would be left with almost $800,000. So what's taking place here, I believe, and no one is talking about this, is the government is taking the magic of compound interest away from Canadians. I'm not going to say, but I want to say it's a bit of a fraud. Uh, so with that in mind, Norman Groot, a lawyer, investigation counsel, uh, welcome to Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, it's a delight to have you on. We had a, a fraud uh, lawyer on two weeks ago, but you indicated to me that lawyer actually uh, also defends fraudsters. Ew. Our firm I guess only, someone has to, I guess, right? Our firm only represents victims. We do not represent any rogues. All right. So I want to start with what people know about. People know about duck cleaning services. Brittany, how many times does a duck cleaning service provider call you and ask you, how many bedrooms do you have? So they used to call my parents, but uh, not me because I don't have a telephone. <laughs> okay, well, that'll, that'll avoid that. That, that. that will protect you, yeah. I guess, eh, Norm? No telephone. You can't get frosters calling you. That's one way. Go off the grid. You're safe. I don't know. Perhaps it, a solution. But solution. growing up, they used to call so, like So, so my week. question to you then, Norm, is uh, the duck cleaning service guy, is that a fraud? I mean, I can't comment on every duck cleaning guy. It's know, the same guy. What do you mean every? There's one guy. <laughs> All I know is that. They're shady characters in every business, Wolf. I, I, I don't trust them. I don't trust them. I don't trust them. Whether it's financial services. Okay, you, you what about work C- someone CRA? That, that you can trust. We've all gotten calls from that CRA guy. And call us back right now at this number. And apparently the CRA scammer has extorted over $6 million in 2017 from Canadians. Six mil. Actually, the number seems quite small to me. Uh, so have you had either uh, victims from either duck cleaning services or CRA uh, scam contact you? Uh, yes. The short answer is yes. <laughs> um, but we can't help out too many victims with those because usually the dollar amounts of the individual victims are too small. And in that CRA one specifically, I think the three bad guys were actually in India. Of course they were. So you have run into a jurisdiction issue. Ah, so money goes overseas and bye-bye. Credit card number. You normally have to recover from the jurisdiction where the money went. Right. Where the bad guys are. Yeah, yeah. And so a common question people ask is, where are you located? That's right. And That's at which point they just hang up the phone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, uh. You know, I did. I almost actually called the guy back and played with him for a little bit. And he started getting mad at me because he knew I was playing with him. Oh, he started. Get, he got nasty with me. And then Jack called him. And then the guy in my office, Steve Severides, called him. Uh, we hounded him just a little bit. Not enough, but just a little bit. Uh, it felt good. Uh, look, uh, Norm Groot, uh, lawyer, investigation counsel. It is National Fraud Prevention Month. Jack and I are here to help you protect your money from fraudsters. Norm's going to tell us how to do that right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio. It is a show about money. It's National Fraud Prevention Month. If Jack and I can help you protect your money, then you can better invest your money and have it grow and compound. That is my mantra for 2019, helping you compound your money over decades. So you got to protect it, you got to save it. Uh, and right now it's all about protecting your money. We have Norm Groot in the studio. He's with Investigation Council. Uh, Norm is a lawyer, but he's also a former police officer. Uh, good for you. So you're helping us uh, work with the law and, and fight the bad guys. Yes. A yep. lot of what we do is investigation. So, so, give, us, so give us a case. Give, give us a typical case of where you, someone calls you up and you're in a position to help them. How do we get that kind of a setup where the outcome is going to be positive? Well, I can give you an example of one we had yesterday. Um, on Friday, we got called by an accounting firm. They uh, had concerns about an employee who had, um, they thought, written checks to themselves forged the uh, small business owner's signature. Um, and within three days, we had a forensic accounting report from the accounting company. We had a, um, we were before a judge. We had the bookkeeper's accounts frozen. Um, we went to the bank, made sure the accounts were frozen. We went to her house, had a chat with her. She more or less admitted to it all and uh, explained that uh, she used most of the money, which is um, around 500000 bucks to pay off a prior judgment from ripping off another employer for 350000 bucks. So interesting. Charles Ponzi is a creator of the Ponzi scheme, an Italian-born immigrant. Uh, and from 1918 to 1920, uh, Ponzi ran a large-scale international trading scheme involving rely coupons on mail stamps. At one point, the Ponzi was making $250,000 a day. This is post uh, World War One in Boston, and ended up owing seven million dollars and was charged on eighty-six counts of mail fraud. This is going back to so this is nothing new here. No, it's nothing new, and the the, um, the whole point to what we do is to um, see if we can freeze and recover money um, as quickly as possible, and that's often much more effective and much quicker through the private civil litigation system than it is through going to a complaint to the police. So so how long was this fraud going on for um, where they accumulated the, the $500,000? And I guess what was the red flags that, that tripped the employer to say, you know what, I've got an issue here. I need to, to go to you guys and see what we can uh, come up with, Norm. Well, the accounting firm has come up with numbers back to 2014, about three or four months after she actually started her employment. Um, and this number of 500000 um, that's just on what they've done on a preliminary investigation. We don't know how... Um, deep it's actually gone. And the way it got discovered, um, which is often the way it works, is that um, the owner of this business who had entrusted most of his accounts payable, accounts receivable, all that sort of stuff, uh, to his bookkeeper, um, came across an unusual payment in his bank statement. And he was also notified by his bank manager that his balance was um, quite low and that he had to top it up. Um, and then he made an inquiry into one specific transaction. And that one specific transaction uh, was something that, uh, uh, for a check that he never signed, and that spawned on um, looking at other transactions and calling the uh, forensic accountants. You know, and, and what, sorry, what, what's the expectation for recovery in a case like this? So uh, it sounds like you've caught it, well, relatively quickly anyways, but uh, it's been going on since 2014. So where are the funds and what's the, what's the potential to, to get some of that money back? Well, this particular case, it's, I mean, I've never done one that so fast where we've actually um, been called and within three days we're in court and have the accounts frozen and actually have an explanation as to where the money went. 
Um, as to what are the chances of recovery, um, you can never say that it's case by case. We've had cases where we've uh, recovered fully and had all our litigation costs paid, millions of dollars, and we've had cases where nothing's been recovered. And in this particular case, um, we don't know what the answer is yet. We still have to go start going through all her um, bank statements, see where the money's been transferred to, and see if there's... See if truth. there's anything left, I guess. See if there's anything left. See yeah. if there's truth to the explanations we've been given so far. You know, I, I got a, a sheet here, top 10 scams. Number one, romance scams. They actually call it catfishing uh, through online dating. Uh, very, very lucrative, apparently. So some tips to avoid um, romance scams. Number one, never wire or transfer money to someone you have not met. Look out for sob stories, uh, plans to visit the country to meet, tales about family emergencies. Number two, don't share personal information like your home address or telephone number. I don't have to question that one because that's so readily available. Well, I, got an, I got one you should put right in the very top. What is it? Google the person's name. Because oh, Google the person's name. <laughs> yeah, we got an investment fraud that's going on that we just got notified of two weeks ago. The guy was a licensed investment advisor. Mm -hmm. He had had his license revoked. Mm-hmm. Um, he had had his uh, CPA designation revoked. Mm -hmm. Right. It was all online by yeah. the regulators and by the people that run the CPA. And um, after he pulled these scams, he found a new group of victims. None of them ran his name. It's Even simple. On Google. It's so simple. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm glad you say that, Norm. And he took I, him for another half million bucks. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. While he prevent, was a bankrupt. Unbelievable. And so I'm going to say to the listener right now, I want you to Google Jack Hartle. I want you to Google Wolfgang Klein. And you can go to the IROC webpage and, and do a check to see if we have any infractions, any any charges against us. You see the education, too, on IROC. So that's important. You want to see who you're working with, how long they've been in the industry. And then also, obviously, a performance track record, which we post on our website. Most people don't even do that. Now, Jack, I'm going to have to tell them that when you look at Jack, Jack used to play cocky for the Peterborough Peets. He actually has what's called a fight card up. Uh, so <laughs> I just, I just full disclosure, you, you, you will come across Vlad Jack's fight card, but he's a very, very nice man. He's a gentleman, as a fact. He's a gentleman. Jack Hartle is a gentleman. Wouldn't you agree, Brittany? I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I would right, say the guys that I fought didn't think I was a gentleman, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, change stripes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more of Hi-Fi Radio uh, with Norm Groot, uh, Investigation Council. In other words, a lawyer, if you've been a victim of fraud or you currently think fraud is occurring in and around you, you want some uh, second opinion, uh, Norman Groot, Investigation Council, is certainly uh, the number I'd be calling. Uh, more with Norm right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. trying to make Norm laugh. Uh, Norman is a uh, lawyer, Norman Groot, investigation counsel. Uh, he's also a former police officer. So I said you was coming through. You're a tough looking guy, man. I don't want you on my side. And God, you've got a poker face. Jack, we can't play poker with this guy. I think he'd take all our dough on us. Uh, anyways, Norman is a uh, lawyer. It is National Fraud Prevention Month. Um, what were we just chitty chatting off air? Psychics. Uh, you know, it's funny because I go see a psychic once a year. Pure entertainment. Um, my wife introduced me to this lady. I think she's fantastic. Uh, I've seen her bring her actually on the air once. Um, I asked her how the market was going to perform last year. And <laughs> she said, we're going to have a great fall. It's going to be a big whoosh. I said, it's a big whoosh. 
she said to me, Norm, and the market last fall imploded. It went the opposite way. But then on December 26th, Santa Claus came to town and the Dow had a thousand point moves to the upside. It's biggest point move in history. So what we do when we go to psychic is we lean on what we think is correct and we sort of make it correct in a way we go, Jill said to me, I'm going to end up in a gallery in Ottawa. And sure enough, I went on a hockey trip with my son uh, to Ottawa and the coach, Derek Holbig, the hockey coach, Derek Holbig, and I uh, went across the street to a National Museum in Gatineau. Uh, beautiful museums in Gatineau, Quebec. I don't know whether I was in Gatineau. I'm in Ottawa. I wanted in Ottawa. I was on the, that side of the river. It's just the way it is. It's just all part of... Uh, well, mind you, you know what's funny, Jack? I'm diatribing here, but um, Westerners do not like Quebecers too much because the transfer payments drive Westerners bananas. I just came back from out west of skiing and they always complain about the federal transfer payments to Quebec. What is it, Jack? 50% of federal transfer payments end up in Quebec? It's a significant portion. I know that, and it's it's very um, you know it's very challenging, and it's a very uh, highly um, it's a significant political issue. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I got a uh, how to become rich list coming uh, to fruition. It's my little ditty. I'm writing something. Point number one: I say, do not rely on the government for your retirement. Uh, but somewhere down the list also says protect your money, and that's what Norm's in the studio for. Uh, if you've been a victim of fraud, if you sense there may be fraud around you. Call Norman Groot, Investigation Council. I hate fraudsters. They need to be dealt with, and hopefully he can recover some of your money. Uh, so Brittany Offer was saying that if, uh, what is it? Tell us the story. Well, a friend of mine, he's going through a hard time. Him and his boyfriend had just broken up, and he's desperate to do anything. So he went to someone called a spiritual healer. He actually went to two yesterday. The first one, she's like, oh, you actually need a lot more work than I thought. And he, <laughs> he was obviously devastated, crying his eyes out, offering and fishing information to her, which she can pick up on. So she put in a little envelope. She's like, you know, I can sense that you're in a stable financial situation, uh-huh. which is not the case. This guy has like $40,000 in debt. Um, oh. I shouldn't mention that on her, but whatever. Sure. <laughs> we don't know who he is. Um, he owes a lot of money. Anyways, <sighs> it was $1,100. She said he had to buy a $500 candle and he had to light it every day and then things will get better. She's like, if you leave the country, bring the candle back to me. I'll light it every day. Yeah, and and on her website, it was advertised eighty dollars. Norman. And then he went to a second one, and it was the same case. So, so Norman, now what? Then after you said to Jack and I and Brittany, what was your response to that about a psychic? Uh, we've investigated psychic frauds. And You've investigated psychic fraud. Frauds perpetrated by psychics or their types, channelers, spiritual healers. Those sort of so people. so is what Brittany really? described there. Uh, in your opinion, a fraud. Someone makes a a, a decision to buy a candle. Uh, they see value in that candle, uh, according to the psychic, uh, which is you know uh, kind of I'll say ludicrous, but uh, a five hundred dollar candle. Yeah. So <laughs> is that considered fraud in your opinion, or is that just considered uh, irrational consumer behavior? That's probably irrational consumer behavior, only because the numbers aren't big enough. You know, usually what you're going to look at if if the psychic was saying eighty dollars an hour. Um, if they're taking the equivalent of about $1,100 an hour, you know, that's getting up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've seen it much larger, much, much more larger. And, and then it does move into what's uh, really a situation of unconscionable behavior where they're taking advantage of somebody who's in a position of weakness. And they do control your minds. Once they get you believing that something terrible will happen to you unless you pay, it's a form of extortion. Jack, what was that? Um, again, there's, there's a lot of phrases from fishing to Ponzi schemes to pyramiding. Uh, but Jack, what was that mortgage fund uh, that was a big fraudster in Canada? Uh, 
Fortress? Uh, is it Fortress? It, fortress, it was yeah, Fortress. Are you familiar yeah. with that 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 uh, Mick? I think it was a Mick, wasn't it? Or was it positioned as a Mick, a mortgage investment corp, uh, basically taking a bunch of seconds and thirds and trying to offer a, offer people a seven or eight percent return. But in fact, it was just a pyramiding scheme where money in, money out. Yes, uh, I, I am familiar with the the Fortress story. Um, my understanding is it's all still before the courts, and um, so I'm really not in a position to say. Uh, what the deal is with that. What's kind of interesting, there was a recent decision of the Court of Appeal on the Fortress case where the court let out some of the main players or who were thought to be the main players in that case. Um, But the whole issue of syndicated mortgage frauds is something that Fisco seems to have um, not been proactive enough on. I'm sorry, Fisco is what, the Financial Investment Super... Services Commission of Ontario. Yeah. And um, so I know that there's um, issues have, that have been raised um, with respect to Fisco's role in preventing these sort of frauds. So, so let, let me ask you, because you know where I, I find the culmination or germination of a lot of mortgage funds? The law profession. It seems that lawyers l- come across these opportunities to lend money to, to second and third parties at a higher than normal interest rate and as such attract their own clients into them. And I, f- I think it was you who actually mentioned to me that the liability now sits on the lawyer. If they recommend a product as being a fraudulent product. Yeah, well, it makes perfect sense. A great case came out a couple of weeks ago from the Supreme Court where an investment advisor in uh, Quebec referred one of his clients to another investment advisor. So the lawyer referred his client to an investment advisor. That investment firm was running a Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, moved the money offshore, and uh, ultimately the court found uh, the lawyer liable for not having done the due diligence for their client with res- before when they recommended um, that particular investment advisor. And it's, of course it's not you know one, one size fits all. Uh, that lawyer did more than just make a mere recommendation. They were assuring the client as the investment scheme went on that the investment advisor was legit when that was not the case. They weren't making their required uh, inquiries that they should have themselves. Um, and so, you know, lawyers do run risks of being found negligent um, when making referrals if they don't check these people out. Right. Uh, I hate to ask the question. I'm going to ask the question, Norman. Fraud, uh, crime, paying. In other words, for you, how's business? I would say uh, Biz, it's, this is not a lucrative business for lawyers for the most part because you're generally, like in our case, we're generally representing people who've been cleaned out. So there's only so much spending they're going to do on litigation. Most people who invest should be spending their money on the due diligence side of things. If you give us $5,000 to check somebody out yeah. and then you come to us you know, a couple of years later with a half million dollar loss, you would have said that 5000 bucks to check this person out is money very well spent. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So spend the money up front is Norman's advice. Uh, Norman Groot, I wish you success. Uh, please uh, help Canadians uh, from the bad people, shall you? Protect them. Uh, do good work. Investigation counsel, Norman Groot, lawyer. Uh, if you've been a victim of fraud, Norman Groot is the man at investigation counsel. Hi-Fi Radio will be back right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Lonely, 
Well, welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, it's a pleasure to have Norman Groot with Investigation Counsel. He is a fraud lawyer dealing only with victims. Um, real pleasure to have you in the studio, Norman. Uh, you know, I have an old saying, don't spill your popcorn in the lobby, save your popcorn for the movie. So when we do this radio show, uh, I don't like to talk off air because I find the, the best stuff tends to come off air. I want the best stuff on air. Uh, so, Norman, uh, let's go back to um, victims. Give me the profile for a victim because this is very, very important. I want the profile for a typical fraud victim. Uh, number one, uh, you have to have money. And so most of the people we deal with are people that somehow have accumulated money, whether through their, through their own employment and careers or inherited or otherwise. Um, and usually that means people in their 40s, people in their 50s. A lot of time it's confident business people um, who believe that they can't get scammed and don't bother to do, do the due diligence. And the setup uh, by the fraudsters uh, to get at them, they prey upon um, where they trust people. The, so the, 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 I would say the word I think last time uh, was an affinity scam. So it's uh, the, the person that you trust um, brings you advice or brings you, like Wolfgang said, a lawyer, potentially accountant, maybe a professional or a trusted person. Uh, I think church was even referenced. The, the clergy. No, the, the, the number ones, the classic cases. Um, I just got my list. But I think that's a key ingredient is having trust where they're, you know, you should actually be doing your due, due diligence. Yeah, but but more important, the word that you use, and Brittany used the same word, is people who are vulnerable, people who for, per, perhaps lost a loved one, um, lost their job, uh, maybe uh, lost a uh, broken relationship. Um, so how can they become victims? Because again, one of you was mentioning the uh, individual who is basically lured by a escort. Uh, and end up defrauding that right. individual. So what? How much? Eight hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, we represented a guy that was um, he had cerebral palsy, added all his life, and um, he was a very intelligent guy, university educated, worked for the government, um, and had great friends, good family. Um, but he there was a vulnerable part to his life. He hadn't been able to have a personal relationship um, with someone, and after his parents passed away, and they left him a couple of million dollars in the state. Um, he sought out um, a real affection through an escort. And then the escort identified uh, the money. The escort identified uh, his vulnerabilities, promised the guy that she would leave the business and um, have this personal relationship with him, marry him. She even went to the extent of um, faking a pregnancy, telling him that he had, she was with, child, with his child, setting up a marriage and that's when it all came apart she faked her own death um, oh, and she did so it's pretty sophisticated this is unbelievable on the eve of the marriage she had what purported to be was her sister phone this guy and say uh, she died in a car crash and then it all unraveled and Eventually, uh, they were both in Jamaica, the fraudster and her real boyfriend, some drug dealer. And um, she eventually came back because the drug dealer boyfriend gave her a beating down in Jamaica so that she thought she'd come back to Toronto and see her mother. Um, she didn't understand that an arrest warrant was outstanding for her. So she got picked up and she got prosecuted. Um, <laughs> and we traced all this money on behalf of this guy. And it was a good thing we did because the Crown was going to let her off 
on two years less a day and let the boyfriend walk. And then when we explained to her where all the money went and the guys, the uh, the boyfriend's involvement, um, she ended up getting convicted by a jury, getting four and a half years. And uh, the husband was also convicted. Well, you know, I will say, uh, you know, because white collar crime certainly has uh, gotten a, you know, the, the, the perception is white collar crime gets off easy. But Bernie Madoff, uh, he ended, he's serving, I think, 150 years. Uh, so, uh he did not get off easy, so her getting four and a half years, I think, is... That's America, not Canada. In Canada, most fraudsters serve about one-six. So your guy gets three years, he's out in eight months on some sort of halfway house parole. Within another couple months, he's back into his regular house. Um, the criminal justice system has strong points and not-so-strong points. Um, but we examine people as judgment debtors who are parolees, and they're working. And we're collecting money off them through garnishments. Sorry, back at their criminal activities as pro No, no, no. Oh, they're working. Okay. They're trying to get a regular job. Right, right, right. The other one that, that, that really bothers me is when you, when you see people take on a role of clergy of some sort, hence position of trust. Um, you know, they, 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 they say they clump clean. They, they, they find God. They get involved in a the community. The community then trusts them, befriends them. Bammo, they defraud them yet again. Uh, I got a case here again, the most memorable and expensive financial fraud cases of all time. Mary. If you're a victim of fraud, uh, you may be able to do something if the fraud is taking place right now. If it is a fait accompli, forget about it. You won't recover. No, uh, that's not true. No? no. In terms of dollars amounts, where does it make it worth your while to take on a client? Again, if you've been defrauded for a thousand bucks, don't 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 call Norm. Right. Uh, Usually we say two hundred and fifty thousand is a threshold to $250,000. I mean, if it's less than that, you can issue a claim, but to go through the freezing order process to trace money, it should be 250,000 at least. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're getting scammed, nickel and dimed, they get away with it unless a class action is brought. Yeah. But we don't recommend that people walk away from, uh, claims that are under that number. What should they do? Um, They should sue at least and just go through the general process. At least get their, the biggest mistake most, fraud victims make is that they don't report it immediately. There is a two-year limitation period. If you report a, poli- uh, a, a fraud to the police and you, you're you hoping that the police will um, actually charge somebody and that a crown will actually prosecute them and that there will actually be a conviction and a restitution order issued, this often takes far longer than two years. And when it doesn't happen, when there is no restitution order, when there is no conviction, um, then victims are left with nothing because they have to have their civil claim issued within two years. That is the number one message to get out. You should first contact a fraud recovery lawyer, at least protect what we call your right to recover. We don't guarantee a recovery, but at least your right to recover. And call a lawyer before you contact the police because often, you know, defense, what happens with with the criminal cases is that a fraudster can apply to use the victim's own money that they have in their possession to pay their criminal to defend themselves yeah so before running to the police there's no limitation period on criminal fraud cases try to recover and freeze your money before you go to the police interesting well i will say something else to you um the creation of trusts testamentary trusts if you have a lot of money and you want to protect your children from fraudsters. You may want to consider speaking to legal counsel about creating a testamentary trust inside your will that will, to some degree, offer a layer of protection, uh, certainly uh, in terms of a fraudster who's trying to coerce you into marriage. Uh, it could protect perhaps part of those assets, but a fraudster, once a fraudster, 
perhaps forever. Norman Groot, um, fraud recovery lawyer, investigation counsel. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have you in studio. It's a big topic. It's a growing topic. And I just hate the bad guys. Uh, so thanks for being on the Good Guys team. Coming up next, we're going to speak with our analyst who covers the Boeing stock and see what's going on with that uh, high-tech 737 Max and when they're going to get those things back in the air and find the skinny because he was just speaking with management. So this is going to be current stuff uh, right off the press. More of it on Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Life would be back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. It is a show about money. Uh, I just came back from skiing in BC. Had a good time with my two of my three kids. Uh, and actually did some local radio out there in Kelowna. It was just so much fun. And my good friend uh, Phil Johnson was all over uh, the Boeing story. So, Wolf, are you going to get uh, get home okay? Are you flying with Air Canada? Are they going in the Boeings? Well, I did some of my research, and uh, yeah, we got home okay. So uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> but uh, obviously, uh, there was a kerfuffle at the airport a couple of days prior um, in terms of people getting frustrated. They couldn't get uh, home in time. So there's some rerouting going on, and uh, even Air Canada with uh, some results, and they're going to uh, down uh, downplay their next year's numbers just a little bit because of the effect of uh, perhaps uh, the Boeing in its fleet. But more importantly, Ken Herbert is an analyst with Canaccord. Uh, Ken Herbert specifically covers the Boeing company. And uh, is it correct, uh, Ken, you just came out of a meeting with Boeing's management? Uh, yeah, so obviously had a lot of discussions recently um, with uh, with the company and with with management. So um, um, yeah, trying to trying to obviously stay on top of the story. Do you have a pooch? Ken, do you have a dog there? No, I'm standing in a. In a oh, building. oh, that's okay. I thought I thought I heard a dog. Uh, what what's, what city are you in right now, Ken? The door. That's okay. What city are you in? Uh, uh, right now, I'm in uh, San Francisco. Oh, you're in San Francisco. That's a nice place to hang out. Is that where Boeing's head office in San Francisco? No, no, no. Boeing's head office is in Chicago. Uh, Most planes are either manufactured in Seattle or or in uh, South Carolina. Chicago. You know what I think? I'm thinking about airplane in the 70s, the O'Hara Airport. Maybe that's where they shot airplane there and made it uh, out of uh, Chicago. Uh, yes. Anyways, so, so, I, I so, so Ken, what, Ken, what is your what's your take on the uh, the Boeing story right now? There's lots of moving parts. You're, you're speaking with management. What's uh, what's the latest news? Obviously, with the uh, the accidents that have happened, and and obviously how it's going to affect the company going forward. Yeah, I mean, obviously the accidents are are tragic. There's um, um, significant concern and questions around sort of how long the uh, the aircraft are going to be grounded for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's really sort of three things to worry about right now is certainly you've got a, a fix that Boeing's talking about, which there should be, you know, a software fix, which should address ideally some of the recent, um, um, you know, the issues that have led to some of the recent tragedies, at least a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Second, you've got, as you alluded to, you've got significant disruption with the airlines. There were 375 MAX aircraft uh, flying around the world, and those have obviously all been grounded, and it looks like that's probably going to stretch into the summer. And then, of course, the third point is you've got you've got significant risk to Boeing now, just in terms of not able to deliver the new aircraft or get progress payments from airport aircraft uh, airlines for the aircraft in production, which is having an impact uh, near term on their cash flows. 
Right. Now, Boeing, this Boeing is a behemoth of a company. And again, just going through your work, and you, you spell it out very, very articulately. But again, the company generates, what, in and around $10 billion of, is it, is it free cash for actual cash uh, per annum? And the question is, you know, what could this uh, 737 MAX grounding and the north of 300 deaths cost the company all in? And I think the number that I've come up with from your work and J.P. Morgan's work and like is about $5 billion. So it's barely a half a year of cash or cash flow from the company. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. In fact, the company this year is going to generate closer to $15 billion in free cash. But I'd make two points on that. So, yes, it's hard to pin an exact estimate now, but you're looking at – you know, maybe maybe half a billion to a billion a month in terms of sort of the outlays. So if you think about, you know, this is a, a three to four month grounding. So so it's a few billion dollars in terms of the impact there. But the bigger issue is, I think, in terms of sentiment on the stock. Um, and the real question is whether this is just a near term sort of headwind or if this does get people to sort of rethink their rethink the investment thesis because obviously the the growth and the strength of the free cash flow is 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 the key sort of pillar as part of the bull thesis on Boeing. Right. Uh, we, by the way, have Ken Herbert on the line. He is an analyst with Canaccord, and he specifically covers the Boeing company, uh, amongst other industrial names. So it's a, it's a treat that I have someone who has firsthand information uh, on, on the Boeing story. Um, going through your numbers, the software fix looks like your, your number is approximately $500 million. Uh, the delays uh, and production risk could be over a billion dollars. And then the lost revenues to airlines, another billion dollars. Jack, you came up with, what, about $5 million per victim? Uh, is that sort of which is another one that's, and a half? I would say that's a number people have thrown around. I'm not saying it's accurate, but uh, I guess an estimate has been uh, for for the uh, the deaths. It would be five million per victim or family. Yeah. Right. So so again, you got a company that's generating 15 billion of, of of cash per year. Some some reputational damage has occurred, um, but nonetheless, the, the the backlog again, according to your work, uh, Ken, is what I think this is a six thousand planes on the order books today. Yeah, so for this Max aircraft, it's, a, it's over 4,500. So it is it is significant. Now, there is speculation that, you know, a piece of that backlog could certainly be a risk. If you think about, obviously, Lion Air, a significant piece of that backlog, and obviously they had the first crash back in October. So there is certainly some risk around that backlog. But, yes, it is a, a very substantial backlog today. Right. Um, look, we're talking about the Boeing company, and uh, I had a number of clients and, and, and friends ask me, should I buy the stock? Should I buy Boeing as it has descended significantly from its all-time high? It went to about 450 down to uh, 275. Excuse me, uh, yeah, 275. No, 375-ish, right? Um, so, you know, it, it's had a 15 20% haircut. Still uh, up on the year some 20%. Still the strongest industrial in the world and still representing about 15% of the Dow's performance. So Boeing does matter a whole lot. So we're on the line with Ken Herbert. He's an analyst. Uh, we're going to ask him right after the break, should you buy Boeing right here, right now on Hi-Fi Radio? Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Fly Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein. It is a show about money. 
We're here to protect your money. We're here to help you grow your money, compound your money, and keep it real tight. That's why Jack's on the show. He helps us keep the money real tight. Right, Kate? Uh, Jack's dad's smiling right now. Jack's dad knows what I'm talking about. I like it, Jack. It's an important thing. You know, if you save fellow Canadians, this is simple. And Ken, uh, Herbert, who's on the line, he's American. Uh, Americans don't save the way Canadians save. But Ken, if you can get your kids to save $5 a day, and if you can compound $5 a day, Ken, at I think it was 8 or 9%, approximately $700,000 in 40 years, 5 bucks a day. And we're complaining that we don't have enough money uh, set aside. Well, Boeing has uh, pulled back. It is front and center. Uh, bottom fishers, contrarians, those who like a little bit of action have been asking me about the Boeing stock. And of course, I like to defer to my analysts first and foremost who know the story inside and out. Uh, Ken, question right up. Should you buy the Boeing stock or could you buy the Boeing stock uh, right here and make some money in three or four years if you held it? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm cautioning clients to be patient right now. I think there's going to be considerable headline risk uh, for the next month or two. I'll get more information on um, the, the extent of the sort of the issues on the aircraft, timing of the, the fix. And then, of course, what's happened as well is not only from the FAA, but, but regulatory agencies, as you know, up in Canada and in China around the world are going are gonna to certainly take their time on recertifying the aircraft. So I don't think as an investor you need to be in a rush right now uh, to buy the stock. I think you can wait until you get better visibility on how these issues play out. I agree, and that's exactly been our advice to clients. Let me, let me ask you a question just to be cute. Would you short the stock here? In other words, would you sell the stock, which would you have to borrow if you don't own it? To, to short a stock, you got to borrow the stock from someone, then you sell it high and hope to buy it back low. That's where you complete the trade. So would you short Boeing here? Do you think there's more for it to descend or has it found a plateau? I think it's it's going to move in a trading range. So I don't think there's a, there's an obvious opportunity on the downside either. I think it's going to move in a range here over, over a period of time because, you know, the stock comes in a little bit and you're going to find support because there is certainly a lot of institutional confidence, rightly so. But, you know, Boeing is, as you mentioned, a very large company. They will figure this out. Yeah, but at the moment, I think it's it's the news headlines, it's the it's the concerns that uh, of the uncertainty uh, in the near term that that you know, I wouldn't say it's not investable, but it's it's very challenging to predict those uh, those news items. And like I said, if you get in front of Congress, who knows what's gonna who knows what they're gonna pull out uh, down in the U.S. But um, the question that I would have for you, Ken, is the company's down. I'd say I don't know if it's around forty billion dollars from its peak. Is I think correct? it's twenty twenty billion, isn't it, from its peak? And in terms of market cap, uh, yeah. yeah. Not about it's not about yeah, 12 or 13 percent off the peak, right? Uh, so there's, there's a 220 billion dollar company, so yeah, it's right between our numbers, so, so say 30 billion, it's off 30 billion off its peak, and we think that the maximum liability is five billion. Um, as an investor, is this not an opportunity if you can think out longer term? Yeah, because Jack, Jack says it's been, it's, been, it's been discounted too much, it, in other words, it's going to cost them five billion, but the stock is down. Thirty billion, and I, I just think maybe that the uh, the market is overreacting to the uh, to the the near term concerns. Yeah, so, what do you think about that, uh, Ken? That's a good question, Jack. That's a great question. I mean, I would argue that that if there is any risk to the backlog longer term with this aircraft, or it becomes a the fix is more of a structural issue that's gonna that's gonna take longer, then a lot of the the multiple on the stock, I would argue, will be under incremental pressure and likely compress as estimates of sort of future free cash flow upside come in a little bit. So that's, that's your risk. You're right. The, as you understand it now, the remedy is, is, is relative to the value that's been lost. You can make a case that it's been oversold. But I would argue on the flip side, if you do have a situation where you are seeing risk or long-term free cash flow estimates coming in, then certainly you're going to see multiple compression and you're going to see sort of a greater downside pressure 
on the stock or justification of a pullback. I was looking at some of your work, Ken. I think it was you who highlighted some of the previous uh, airlines that have had trouble. And the one that just blows my mind, I think it was called the, was it the Dash 10 or DC 10, where the, where the motor would shear right off the wing. Can you imagine you're flying over the ocean, all of a sudden you lose, lose a jet? So anyways, if they fix that, uh, this Boeing will get fixed. Ken Herbert, analyst with Ken Accord, who covers the Boeing company, uh, says, do not buy the stock. Basically, if you own the position, hang on to it. No need to rush in right here, right now. Ken, a real pleasure having you on the show. Very, very much appreciated. Uh, Jack did a great job as always. Uh, and my friends, it's a treat to be with you here each and every week. Don't be defrauded. Put your money aside. Get your kids to start saving early. As I said to you, $5 a day invested for 40 years each and every day at around 9% would get you about three quarter million bucks. Drop the latte, put the money in the bank. You want a good one? A BMW, by the way, I'm going to end with the show here. A BMW, if you lease a BMW for your entire career, which is about $1,000 a month to lease a BMW. So if you get out of school at 25, you lease a BMW to 65, the opportunity cost based on a TSX return of 9% is $4.7 million. This is Hi-Fi Radio, and that's what we talk about, money. And we're here to help you with yours. Each and every week on Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.